Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. And welcome to Season 3 of Witch and Goddess. Faithful listeners, how are your journeys with the goddess going? I'd love to hear how she's appearing in your life and practice. Are there new goddess figures in your world? How have they been showing up or making themselves known? Have you had success with any of the techniques I've mentioned? And maybe most fascinating to me right now, how are your goddesses helping or inspiring you in these terrifying and maddening times? Connect with me on Instagram or email me at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com to tell me about it. And let me know if it's okay to share your stories and comments in future episodes. Now I know you're wondering, and yes, you're right. I covered this beloved Irish goddess in one of my earliest episodes, you clever witch. But today we're looking at some different aspects of breed. After all, she's been revered as both a goddess and a Catholic saint for well over a thousand years. That's a lot of material. She was already well known as a goddess when the Catholic Church seemingly rolled her pagan and goddess traits into the identity of Saint Bridget in the 5th century. It's unclear exactly how far the fiery breed predates Christianity, but she's widely known as a daughter of the mighty god the Dagda and a member of the Tuatha de Danann, a tribe of gods who are prominent in the earliest Irish myths. Unlike so many Celtic goddesses, Breed was not placed squarely in the past by being rewritten as a fairy queen or a faded and diminished heroine. She shifted into the role of a really vibrant and relatively modern saint. She is a shape-shifting goddess, and I see her evolution as a compromise she willingly made in order to be present with and for her people. The dominance of the patriarchy couldn't be denied, but she allowed herself to be demoted in title rather than fade into the past. I should say that while those of us in the goddess community are mostly convinced that Breed the Saint is a Christianized version of Breed the Goddess, the official story of some historians is that she was a real person whose mythos took on the goddess's attributes. Whatever the case, because Saint Breed is known for all the same powers, symbols, and areas of expertise as the much older goddess, She's kept the goddess alive for 1,600 years. The stories of St. Breed, also known as St. Bridget, are kind of wild and have this beautiful way of echoing and confirming her already established powers as a goddess. For example, according to St. Bridget's origin story, she was the daughter of a Druid priest. She was eventually baptized into Christianity by the St. Patrick, yes, the one who drove the snakes, or pagans, from Ireland. Her conversion was said to have been so inspiring that she immediately knew that she wanted to be a nun. But her darn pagan dad wanted her to be married, which catalyzed her first miracle. St. Bridget somehow ejected her eyes from her head to diminish any interest from prospective husbands. The story goes that with the threat of marriage passed, she popped her eyes back in and wandered across Ireland with other nuns. 
Now, eyes are a recurring theme and a symbol for the goddess breed. A story of St. Bridget says that she magically healed the vision of a blind companion. And the newly seeing individual was so astounded by the beauty of the natural world that she asked Breed to take her vision away so that she would not be distracted from God. Now, this may be a link or nod to the reputation of the goddess's healing wells to be especially beneficial for curing eyes. The many Irish wells dedicated to Breed or St. Bridget are still known as powerful healing places. And it's sometimes claimed that when sunlight shimmers within the waters, the well is especially able to heal eyes and vision. Personal confession that is only partially relevant, I'm a bath witch who is very particular about having a bathtub near a window so that the afternoon sun can shine into my steamy water. This is one of the most therapeutic ways that I treat myself in late winter. Well, all year but it's especially healing for me to open the curtains and let the sunlight pour into my own little steamy cauldron in January and February. It's one of my favorite ways to fight the winter blues. I've been doing this for years and I just, I feel really seen knowing that humans have a history of recognizing how magical sunlight and water is. Try it sometime. Back to the adventures of St. Bridget. Eventually, the wandering nun found Kildara, the holy place of the oak, where she decided to build her convent. She made use of her magically expanding cloak to trick the king out of a large stretch of beautiful countryside. Unusual for a nun, no? Even stranger, Breed selected the bishops in her area, almost as though she was not a normal abbess. And it was said that she preferred that the bishops were skilled goldsmiths, which is not totally common for a bishop. But as we know from our previous time with Breed, she is a goddess of smithcraft. St. Breed is credited with founding a school of art in Kildare, which included metalwork and illumination and illustration of early texts, mirroring another of the goddess Breed's areas of patronage, the arts. Breed's healing and midwifery powers are even more evident in the tales of the saint. I don't think this particular story gets enough attention. According to translations of Cogatosis, a monk of Kildare who is credited with the writing of the oldest account of St. Bridget's life, she worked to preserve the chastity of a nun. Here's the account. A certain woman who had taken the vow of chastity fell through the youthful desire of pleasure and her womb swelled with child. Breed, exercising the most potent strength of her ineffable faith, blessed her, causing the child to disappear without coming to birth and without pain. She faithfully returned the woman to health and to penance. Hmm. A most beloved saint of the Catholic Church, everyone. You can't see me, so I need you to know that I'm making that big, unblinking, side-eye emoji face right now. Listen, there are two sides to the role of midwife, and not every pregnancy results in a live birth. Sometimes the infant just disappears. Much of St. Breed's religious iconography depicts her closely associated with fire. Nuns at her monastery kept an eternal flame burning for her until the 16th century. That's a thousand years but it's believed that priestesses gathered at that spot long before the convent was established 
to tend a fire for the goddess breed. A flame at Kildare was relit in 1993. Breed's sacred day is February 1st or 2nd, also known as Imolk. This day is known as the quickening of spring's new life in the belly of earth, and returning spring, growth, and the warmth of the sun to the land is one of Breed's most important roles. Another tale of the goddess bringing spring links us back to her associations with the serpent. On or near Imolk, she was said to be seen in the form of a snake, departing the cave or underground area where she had sheltered and slept through the winter. And as she woke and moved forth, so did spring. Breed is a most comforting and inspiring goddess. She's the glow of a warm hearth in dark and cold times. She's the competent healer and midwife who will see you through the most harrowing labor and rebirth phases in your life. Breed is the fire of inspiration and the confidence that's always shining within you, waiting to be stoked and brought back to life. She's the energy of the new moon, fresh starts, a blank canvas to be filled, seeds planted. She's potential and tender but resilient hope. In The Goddess Path, Myths, Invocations, and Rituals, author Patricia Monahan emphasizes Breed's power as a goddess of survival. It's not uncommon for a goddess's characteristics, symbols, and general myths to be born into new eras and regions. But this usually happens under a different name and face. Breed is a true success story of hiding in plain sight, and for 1,600 years. She's not only survived patriarchy, I believe she's witnessing its inevitable downfall, and she may be more widely known and revered than ever before. Imagine, all of the descendants of her earliest devotees, so many generations later, learning about her, reviving her identity, not as a saint within the walls of a convent, but as a free and sovereign fucking goddess who roams, meeting her followers all over Ireland and the world. Guess what? The Witch and Goddess Coven is open for new members who want to deepen their experience of the divine feminine and goddess figures through the practice of witchcraft and community. Each month we focus on a new theme related to a specific goddess and the magic of the divine feminine with a lesson, original guided meditation journeys, a new spell lesson every month, and a live coven circle where we support every member in a sacred online ritual. Learn more about membership in the coven at blackbirdmagic.com. You can learn how to work with me, find out about one-on-one -on -one sessions, and my other group courses at blackbirdmagic.com. That's magic with a CK. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe, and tell your coven. You can connect with me on Instagram at witchandgoddesspod. I love emails and messages, so let me know about your goddess experiences at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com or by leaving a recorded message on the Witch and Goddess page at anchor.fm. Sources for this episode are The Goddess Path, Myths, Invocations, and Rituals by Patricia Monahan, A Goddess is a Girl's Best Friend by Laurie Sue Brockway, Encyclopedia of Spirits by Judica Illis, and Wikipedia. <laughs>